from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio. CAB Incorporated presents Celebrating Powerhouse Women. Now, here's your host, Amanda Pierch. Good morning and welcome to a special edition of Celebrating Powerhouse Women. I am excited to have you join us for this series that salutes and recognizes women who are making an impact in our community. This morning, I am joined by a powerhouse woman herself, Terry Jondal of CAB Incorporated. CAB Incorporated, since 1982, has been a distinguished leader in manufacturing and global sourcing, serving a variety of industries, including infrastructure, hydraulics, automotive, and rail, with their precision, machined iron and steel products. As a woman-owned company, CAB is proud to be the presenting sponsor of this Celebrating Powerhouse series. And as a little nugget that you might not be aware of, Terry Jondal is also the underwriter of this series, and I am thrilled to welcome her on the show this morning. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, and I'm thrilled to be the underwriter. Yay! And she is joining us virtually, for those of you that can't see us, from her home office slash art studio today. And those of you who can't see, don't get to admire all the beautiful artwork that I am seeing here behind her today. So tell us a little bit quickly about what you, you do in your studio, Terry. Well, well, I I enjoy it here so much because it has lovely uh, natural light and and a lot of wide open space. Uh, so I moved my actual home office into my art studio area. So I'm able to I have two giant monitors here, and I'm able to to work and turn around and paint if I want. So uh, and you might notice a little cat in the corner here. I have five of those that run around and spread cat hair everywhere and and. Every painting has plenty of cat hair included. I was going to say, how do you keep the cat hair out of the paint, the wet paint? I'm imagining they leave a little something behind. Oh, they do. And um, generally, if, if it's not noticeable, I don't worry about it. But I was told that even the masters um, in, in, in hundreds of years ago said that every painting had eight or ten pieces of organic material in it. So Very nice. It's a true original. That's what you have to look for as the signature. Well, I did want to just touch on what I'm seeing visually as we're um, in a unique setting today. For those of you um, that follow current events and are in the community, you all are understanding and experiencing that we're going through a health crisis um, of COVID-19. So Terry is joining us virtually at a um, socially safe distance. I am here still in the Gwinnett Place Atlanta studio. Um, Mike is producing and we're doing so adhering to all the guidelines safely um, per um, wanting to keep everybody in the up. Um, we are going to touch on some some subjects that kind of fall into that category this morning, Terry, and I appreciate you being here and willing to speak about these things. Um, if you don't mind, let's dive right in. Okay. All right. So first and foremost, I'd like to understand because you are the leader of a team and it spans um, internationally. You source globally and you have teams in different states. So my question to you is, as you continue to lead fearlessly and with fortitude during this unique time, what have been some of your greatest challenges since the COVID-19 has changed the way that we have begun doing business and maybe some of the silver linings that you've been able to pull out as well? Uh, well, I can tell you that because we're headquartered here in, in Buford and I have a manufacturing operation in Texas and Washington state, and I have a warehouse in Canada. Plus I have engineering teams in China and India. Um, we work with factories in China, India, Korea, and Vietnam. And then we also sell into South Africa. So we have been a very distributed organization 
forever. And, and so I have worked hard over the last decade to develop technology that allows us to, to pretty much work from anywhere. And our way before phone systems would allow you to forward your calls to cell phones or transfer from one location to another, we were part of a, a beta site with Microsoft to do just that uh, probably nearly 20 years ago. So, so we were set up well to be able to very quickly um, start working from home. But our uh, facilities in Texas and Washington are still manufacturing and we supply a lot of essential supply customers uh, serving transportation, mm -hmm. um, construction uh, and infrastructure. And so we are an essential business ourselves. So those folks um, at the, on the front line of manufacturing they are going in and, and we have provided all kinds of safety gear and of course, uh, exceptional disinfection efforts. Plus we provided uh, a hazard pay program because we really appreciate the work that they've done. So, and everybody who can, we asked to start working from home even before the president asked because it was the right thing to do. Safely. Well, I tip my hat to you for accommodating um, your vendors and your employees and your clients and in such a manner. I wanted to ask you really quickly because we're, we're communicating via Zoom today. How are you interacting with your global counterparts during this time? Well, we've had uh, life-size video conferencing for at least 10 years. So around the, the globe, we're able to do conferencing uh, anyway. And uh, so this is not a new experience for us, although nothing can replace the, the being with someone, but the video conferencing is um, suddenly overnight with uh, this learning at home for kids has become ubiquitous. So uh, Zoom is, is all the rage and it's, it's easy to use and there are several others like it. And, and I know that there's been some comments about some security things, but they'll work through that. I suspect that Zoom may be the, the next big thing on uh, video conferencing and, and we'll be using it a lot more. I would agree with you 100%. From a quality assurance and quality control standpoint, I know that you take great pride in and where you source your materials and also in your manufacturing facilities. Now you're unable to travel to um, provide um, the hands-on for these places. How are you combating not being able to be there physically? Well, that's a, a really good question. And here's how this played out for us. The virus hit China first. We have probably 35% of our goods that come from China, probably 20% from our factories in the U.S., the ones that came from China, we also warehouse goods for all of our major customers here in the US. So we had a safety stock. So when this uh, virus hit China, and fortunately we weren't near the epicenter, our, most of the factories we work with were, were spread out, but still all impacted. And we had uh, six to eight week shutdowns um, and we were able to work through that. Fortunately, we had very few shortages, but once everything, came back online, then you have to push hard to catch up. Now we are in a situation where it's moved to India, who is our major supply chain partner, and they shut down for three weeks. It, it, it was like they didn't really think there was a problem, and then their prime minister said, yes, stop. And so they went into a hard stop mode very fast. 
for three weeks. We expect that'll get extended maybe another three weeks. We have inventory on the ground, um, but there will come a time when that inventory will work through and then we will likely see holes in, in our ability to supply our customer goods. The challenge will be we inspect and our team inspects stuff overseas and then it comes over here and we reinspect it. Our biggest challenge is going to be just as with businesses like even a restaurant business, restarting is never easy because people who haven't been functioning in a regular um, routine come back and they effectively need to be retrained and, and recentered on, on what's important and, and the rules of quality and making sure that we're getting it right plus getting it out the door on time. So I expect challenges. Um, I, I think this is going to be an uncomfortable ride for a while. That brings up a good point. Um, I hadn't thought of it until you just mentioned a lot of teams um, that weren't necessarily remote or equipped to work from home, shall I say, they're going to experience a little bit of a, a new ramp up or a, a revamp, shall I say. They'll require a refresher, just like you're mentioning, um, just because if you've been out of practice for a while, it's something that you'll need to refamiliarize yourself with. Yes, I will say that there are a whole lot more tools to be able to work online than there were when we first started preparing ourselves. But if if I can um, make a suggestion to those who are, are not further down the curve on, on technology, having your business in the cloud, like choosing to use Microsoft Office 365 as opposed to having a, a serve, an Exchange server and desktops, uh, desktop software, having Office 365, using their OneDrive service where you're, you're storing files both on your desktop and in the cloud, those kinds of things help not just in this kind of crisis, but if you suddenly get hit by ransomware and you're able to instantly lock down everything and clean off all of the, the physical devices that you have, but still get back to live very quickly, that's what you wanna be doing. So every piece of your organization that you can do in the cloud trust me those big guys are are spending a lot more dollars on figuring out how to protect your data than you would be able to as a small business so i think that's helped everybody a lot because there's there's a lot better tools than there used to be and it it made it easy to transition. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness for the the era that we are in with um, all of the technolo technological tools, like you mentioned. And uh, just to give a quick shout out to everybody that's in the tech world out there, I know that they've experienced a, a massive influx in usage and they've been able to, for the most part, accommodate um, everybody's needs virtually. So thank I goodness. I know, it's amazing, isn't it? Yes. I, I thought the internet would crash and we barely- What would blue. we do? <laughs> We wouldn't be able to do anything. I think oh. our great president gave accolade to um, them as well not too long ago. So we do appreciate everything that um, allowed us to come to you today virtually. Yeah. Um, switching gears a little bit, Terry, because you are um, a very seasoned vet in your arena. Um, I love that word. Seasoned? Yeah. Seasoned. yeah. Seasoned. yeah. It, uh, you say seasoned, I hear old. But I love seasoned. <laughs> seasoned. I like things well marinated. Um, do you give okay. the number of years that you've been um, with CAB? It's 30 plus, correct? I didn't want to yeah, misspeak. Yeah, uh, CAB was started in 1982. I became a shareholder in 95. And uh, 
became majority shareholder in oh five or so and uh so decades some of the original founders during your experience or during your time with cab have you experienced anything that you could parallel to this and obviously not necessarily the crisis or the um the COVID itself, but anything that set you back in production, anything that impacted your supply chain or anything like that, that you could compare Where this to? Where shall I start? Oh, good. You do have some experience. <laughs> I can Just- remember, um, of course, the Great Recession very nearly took us out. We were hanging on by our fingernails. We shouldn't have made it through. There were many people who said we wouldn't make it through, but I just decided that failure was not an option and I was going to figure it out one way or another. So every single day I fought the battle in front of me and there might've been 5,000 battles that day, but I focused on whatever was nipping at my ankles at the moment and little by little worked our way through it. Um, I can tell you that even before that, I can remember having a major engineering crisis five years before that, where we were on, on, um, actually it was, On my wedding day in 2005, the morning of my wedding, I was on a six-hour conference call with a team of engineers in Germany because there was a quality problem that may force us to have to do a recall on some wind towers around the world that uh, would have pretty much uh, blown us up. We'd have been out of business, but we got through it. The engineers did a strategic risk management. We analyzed what the uh, how the parts would function. Everything turned out okay, and I got married. And you got married to boot. That's a powerhouse (laughs) woman, ladies and gentlemen. But when you talk about the the downturn, the Great Recession, I can tell you that there were innumerable points when I would think, okay, I've got the pieces in place. We're going to get through this, and we would get body slammed again. And so at every corner, there would be something – knew that would hit me that I certainly hadn't been trained to handle. And I had to, uh, as always, figure it out and you, and figuring it out is what you have to do. So this particular crisis is um, the same, but different. We know that this is going to impact our business. We aren't the front line, like um, movie theaters and restaurants where they're, they're getting absolutely Hammer. hammered. And they typically, um, it's tougher for that small business to get financing. So they have very little cushion. It's, it's hard to be able to build your own safety nets. I like to say that I always have plan A, B, C, D, E, and whatever else it takes, because I'm going to figure out a way to make it happen. But through the Great Recession, I also learned about um, the best working capital management, the best way to um, get appropriate levels of financing to make sure that you're secure. I learned as, as most business people know, cash is king and, and you got to be able to find ways to endure, um, challenges. Now, all that being said, this situation that we're all facing right now is, we'll, we'll probably look back in a year or two years and say, okay, well, we got through it everything's fine. I think this one is going to change a lot of small businesses in ways that we haven't even begun to recognize. 
there will be many businesses who will not be able to make it through this, um, especially the small guys. Yeah. Um, I, and I worry about that. And I, I, I don't have an answer. I try to think what advice could I give someone? Well, unless you suddenly have a winning lottery ticket, uh, there's not a whole bunch that, that you can do except try day by day to ride through and, and solve that day's problems. Now we'll say if you have, um, if you have challenges with, uh, your, your, your debt and your cash flow, you need to be talking with your lenders, with your suppliers, with your landlords and try to just let them know, don't avoid those calls. Say, look, we know we're all in a tough situation and we're going to do what we can, but right now we can't see what the answer is. So, and of course, make sure you're taking opportunity to um, take advantage of those, the government programs, the relief programs that are becoming available, uh, like the paycheck protection mm -hmm. program that just came out today um, in the CARES Act. So everybody has to look in every corner to, to try to shore up their position and then um, block and tackle. And I like that I, reference. Yeah. I would like to think that, that most folks will get through this, but I suspect this is going to hit some small businesses really, really hard. Very hard. But hang in there because the, the plus side of this crisis versus the Great Recession, the Great Recession hit companies who, it certainly hit certain industries harder, but companies who were weaker on their balance sheets and didn't, Probably, I thought the world was going to, at that point, we thought we were going to be building windmills uh, for forever, and, and the world was going to be just going great guns, and we built some big buildings and made some big investments that we never should have considered doing. And so we were in more debt than we should have been. And so that taught me to be more um, conscientious about the, the risk that I take. This time... So, the, so there were certain entities that banks would look at you and say, well, they clearly were over leveraged to begin with. Well, this time the whole world's getting killed. So uh, as a small business person, you can at least know that if it doesn't work out for you, even if you looked at the worst case scenario, and I used to say, and I had to move to Montana and live off my own garden, it would be a real problem for me, by the way, if I had to live off of a garden. But um even if you face the worst case scenario, you're not alone. And, and there are many, many people who will be fighting their way through this. So, so figure out how to, to get to the bottom of wherever you're going to go and then figure out how to build a new reality for yourself. And who knows what that'll look like when this is done. Hell, we may all be doing video conferences and, and uh, living by food delivery services. I will say selfishly, I haven't had the chance to be um, at the interview table with you since we launched this wonderful series. So selfishly, I'm glad that I have the chance to spend some time with you now. And this <laughs> unique instance has given us that time together. Um, touching on something that you, you made mention of, and I'd like to just kind of explore a little bit more, uh, you mentioned community. And I know we are um, both a part of the same great um, Gwinnett community, hashtag love Gwinnett. And I see a lot of people out there, a lot of businesses giving back to the smaller 
the smaller um, companies that are not able to stay afloat. And I think it's wonderful how we've all kind of united. And I see on Facebook, the Takeout Tuesday, go and support your local eatery just yes. because you can't go inside and eat. I've even seen some adorable things of couples that bring just like a picnic table and they eat in the parking lot. They weren't going to let it um, prohibit them from having their date night. So they still Aww. picked up, you know, their favorite Italian. I think it's remarkable how we're coming together, even through this time of strife to empower everybody in any way that we can. Um, the, I've also seen some folks who are actually putting um, their extra food, creating it like those little shareable libraries that they boxes, put in their neighborhood. Yeah. They're doing shareable pantries. And so I love to see the world figure yeah. out how to get yeah. more connected from a distance. From a distance, yeah. So I think that that's probably one of the silver linings that we can all pull from that. And I love seeing um, that after this is all said and done, there's going to be a reverse, a flip. It's going to be booming because everybody, I know I've not wanted sit-down Mexican food so bad as I have in the past six <laughs> weeks. I just I want relate. some queso <laughs> and fajitas. And it's not the same going and picking it up. Shaving, I totally enjoy. agree. I totally so I think agree. everybody's going to go out after this and they're going to experience a nice warm surge so hopefully that can help balance it out in the end yeah yeah it's uh it's going to be interesting to see how we come out the other side i do um i take comfort in data i'm crazy about data and uh if you and i think you do follow me on facebook uh -huh. and i posted the some of the metrics Statistics, showing yeah. the curve peaking uh in georgia about april 25th and and that's about the average of when it will peak in the in the u.s overall maybe a little bit sooner elsewhere but uh and then by june 1 we should be at a more normal won't entirely be over but we should have gotten through the bolus of huge numbers of cases so i uh, I take comfort in knowing that there is uh, data to show that that there is an end in sight. In sight. Um, the question is going to be, are people going to take those summer vacations this summer? Or are they going to say, well, maybe we'll just wait and do it next summer? And, I hope they do. And um, what our what our comfort level is as we come out of this. Right. Now, you and I had the chance to um, speak a little bit before the show and, and throughout the week leading up to the show, and we shared a little bit of conversation about some, some key things and some things that you mentioned really stood out to me, so I wanted to mention those. Um, you mentioned being prepared to see around corners, being a strength in business, and I think that you're an exemplary um, person of that. You mentioned several different ways throughout this conversation to kind of stick and move throughout business. What would you say um, specifically about being able to see around corners has given you a little bit of an advantage for this specific yes. scenario? Let me give you, um, the, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, what I did when uh, we went into the, the Great Recession, the first thing that we had to do was figure out how long we could stay alive on cash and our banks were cutting credit lines and we needed to know, you know, how many days you were going to be able to breathe. And our motto back then was five more minutes, <laughs> but it got us through, but uh, businesses, small, medium, and large, the first thing that they do in a crisis like this is they prepare what banks always call the 12 week cash flow. And you take a, a, a spreadsheet and at the top you start with your beginning cash and you put lines for all the things that are going to come in. And then you put the lines for all the things that are going to come go out that week. 
and you get your ending cash and you carry it forward and you do that for 12 weeks so you can figure out exactly how many minutes you're going to last. You may find that that you could have gotten it done in five days, but um, but you do need to know that. And what we did from that very simple um, crisis planning mechanism was we developed a model that ties into our financials and balance sheet and, and um, all of our financing needs. And, and we can look at what, what our business is doing on all different product categories and model what those changes might look like and what it means for um, our, our financing availability, what it means for how much inventory we need, uh, how much accounts receivable we can expect to be tied up and so on. So for us, our, it's a living document. We always can look for at least 18 months going forward at any moment. It's highly accurate. Now, of course, things can change at, at, a, at a given time, but it also actually goes out to at least five years into the future so we can just see how the business is, how the plan is working. Right. And um, but, but that living document allows us at any time to look and see, okay, we're going to get squeezed on cash here or we're going to run out of inventory or we're going to be so covered up in inventory, we need some extra dispensation from our bank to be able to help us finance that. And those are the things that, um, as a business leader, you have to have those kind of tools. Maybe for you, it's a very simple tool where you pick five or 10 things that you measure every week. What, do my, what does my order log look like? What does my quote log look like? How much invoicing did I do this week? How much cash did I collect? So, so you can do those same basic things to be able to give you a feel so that you can look back and see what you did, maybe the same period last year or whatever, and use that to model what you're going to do looking forward. So yeah. that's the first key about looking around corners is, is to understand things going on in your world and how they impact your numbers. Kind of create but a and forecast. And you got to make sure you also know what are your customers' biggest issues and what are your suppliers' biggest issues? Because the more you understand them and can read between the lines on what causes them pain, the more you're going to know whether you can fit in as a solution or whether you're going to be considered a, a key customer by your suppliers or a pain in the butt customer who typically doesn't get good pricing by, from your suppliers. You mentioned a couple things that stood out to me um, in all of my experience, the um, method that you just mentioned, um, I, I referred to as forecasting. So I absolutely agree having a legitimate forecast in order to kind of be able to see what the future would hold would be very helpful. And you also referenced yourself as a leader being responsible for that information. And I think that's so important during this time because you yourself, like I mentioned before, are leading with fortitude fearlessly. And a lot of us are looking towards our leaders for them to provide us with or supply us with that comfort or that breath that we might not be able to see because you have that insight. So I'm sure that um, your company uh, appreciates that. And I'm sure you also apply that into your personal um, life as well. Yeah. Let me mention something that, that uh, the Zoom actually uh, made me realize I could do. I actually this week, I, I don't like doing videos in general because I just, you know, I have a face for radio. That's what I always say. Mike um, said that's his line. You can't I decided it. that during this time of crisis, it was very important for me to be able to help 
keep the team informed and calm. And so I did a, a video clip for the U.S. and for China and for India and um, sent them the link to it. And I actually used Zoom to do it because you can record it and, and it works really well. Uh, and I sent messages talking about, look, we've been through similar situations. We think we've got our arms around this. We know what we need to do and we're going to get through this. And so you do... Um, and, and I did the same thing, not by video, though, but I would occasionally during the Great Recession sit the team down and say, look, we're working our we're fighting through every five minutes, but we're going to get through this. And it doesn't mean that there won't be things that, that can get painful because we can't really always know what's going to happen. But it helps them feel more comfortable. And I can tell you that I have a lot of street cred with my team because we got through the great recession and there were many times when, when no one was sure that it would happen. Mm. So, um, so I can confidently tell them that, that we think we're positioned as best we can be. I'll say Terry, you have a lot of street cred period, not just <laughs> with CAB. Everybody, everybody in my world speaks very highly of you. Aww. Um, I want to switch gears to a lighter note really quickly, and then we'll return because I have lots um, of things on the docket that I want to touch on with okay. you. But first, I'd like to thank one of our partners. First and foremost, I, I failed to mention earlier, McCarthy Buildings Company. This is also brought to you in part by them. And also, Cat Rangers. Cat Rangers is saving lives of cats and kittens one paw at a time. They are the special forces of cat rescue, and all of their felines recover in their lovely home-like center in Buford while they wait to find their forever homes. Cat Rangers is growing rapidly and is always seeking financial and volunteer support. Please contribute by visiting catrangers.org today. Oh, that's great. And for those of you that can't see physically, Terry is joined by some of her fur babies today, and they actually came from cat rangers so really quickly yep. just just share a little bit about your adopted babies and well, your experience well, with cat I, rangers. Uh, and I, I generally don't adopt them they adopt me mm -hmm. and and um, mike can tell you when i took him on a tour of cat rangers that uh, the big fluffy one that you don't see here that wandered away uh i had no intention of bringing another cat home and boy when i saw that cat i could not resist he he wanted to be a part of the family so you're a sucker, um, Yeah, that's uh, cats are my major soft spot. Um, others will tell you that pretty much any critters. I I have loads of, of bird seed and, and dog food that comes to the office to feed the raccoons, and and we keep a, we have a big kitio that my husband built downstairs behind our office uh, to help cat rangers when they rescued a feral colony that one of my friends had asked me for. I know anyone who could help and and I knew Sparrow at Cat Rangers and and next thing you knew I, I have 15 cats now in a kiddio at, at the office that we feed and we're working very hard to socialize this little one behind me is uh, she's a little rascal and she came from the the feral colony and and she's a rascal but when she gets tired she's a sweetheart right and, she's been um, sleeping this whole so time we're hoping to, to adopt those out as, as time goes by yes and if you'd like to learn more about a fur baby um to bring home to your family visit catrangers.org today all right i'm going to flip flop back into the interview really quickly and um i wanted to 
pick out another piece of what you and I had spoken about. Um, I mentioned this during another podcast. Mark Owen is somebody that I enjoy reading, and he has a um, quote that I enjoy saying very much so, and you even referenced it unbeknownst to yourself. Get comfortable being uncomfortable, which is nothing new for entrepreneurs. But he very plainly says, get comfortable in the uncomfortable. And that's something that is kind of hard for people to hear and then apply. But the fact of the matter is we've all been shaken up and turned topsy-turvy um, over the past few weeks. So share a little bit about what you have had to do that is uncomfortable in order to maintain doing business. I know you referenced the Zoom video and that not being one of your <laughs> PowerPoints, although you look lovely and you're very poised. So I think you're oh, a pro you. behind the scenes. But what's something else that's taken you out of your comfort zone here and you've had to kind of just take off with um, over the past few weeks because of this crisis? Well, uh, let me back up on that being comfortable with being uncomfortable. <clears throat> back uh, again, I used to always think, I, I used to think that you can do it. It, it. You can do it. I was always a can-do person and I was just, don't tell me it can't be done. There's there's always a way it can be done. And in general, that's that's worked for me because I'm I'm um, it's tough to say no and then have me not say oh yeah. <laughs> um, but I can remember during the the Great Recession, uh, one of the times, one of the first times that a group of bankers came to visit me early on in the the crisis. When they came in, they were so nervous. And usually I had always thought of bankers as being, as being very cool, calm, and collected. And um, th their world was very, very secure. So I, um, when they came in and I realized that they were just as afraid, maybe more afraid than I was, I realized, holy cow. And as time went on, both then and, and and continuing to now, it has become a, a normal part of life for everyone to have um, very little security. And, you know, I spoke to a, uh, the Golden Key Society at Georgia Gwinnett College uh, last, last academic year, I think. And I can remember telling them, look, you guys, nothing is safe anymore whatever you think you're going to do for a career make sure you have backup plans make sure that whatever it is you're learning you know if you're going to learn anthropology well i suggest you also learn business uh, because you need to be able to find ways that you have backup plans in case something crazy happens the gig economy if you have the ability to have a side hustle you need to be always trying to, to keep that alive and, and, and develop it. You, there are, um, the more flexible you have, the more adaptive, the more flexibility you have, and the more adaptable you are, the better you're going to be able to um, weather whatever comes your way. And so that goes along with being uncomfortable with uncertainty. And it, it really is our new reality. So, uh, if you if you go along with that thinking, then if you really want to be liberated, find ways to save more money and spend less. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm, I, I have I have always been um, 
the the world's worst at at holding myself back from from going and and buying what I want and um, that's probably been part of the reason two reasons I never wanted to to be homeless so I always figured I had to be successful enough to take care of myself and I never got money from family and I always paid my way even when I was in high school I, I bought my clothes and and my car and but um, you got to be able to, to take care of yourself. And if you can have the self-discipline to be able to always set aside some money, always build a nest egg, that's going to give you so much freedom when bad things happen. And so if I had things to do over again, I'd like to think that I would be better at that. In reality, I'd probably do exactly what I've done because that's what got me here. And, and as scary as it is at, at times in any kind of business, um, I'm still pretty happy with my world. So That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, personally, since we're, we're kind of weaving the business in with personal today, um, what have you been doing to stay sharp? Now, I know that our in-office days don't translate to an equivalent number of hours working from home. I know personally, um, you know, you might really only be doing six hours of work that might translate to eight to 10 in the office because we're now at home and we don't have any of those office things going on. That is very true. And, and some of my team members have commented that they, they're, that found that they can be so much more efficient at home. Now we can't always do that, but, um, but I, I think, and I have always, tried to um, be flexible where folks, for example, my CFO, when she gets knee deep in some of our financial models, she drives 45 minutes each way to come to work. And I have her work at home a couple days a week and say, hey, you, she can be more effective there uh, than at the office. So, um, so I think that some people are better at it, I'm sure, than others. Our um, Microsoft team system has what's called presence awareness. So I can always see if people are online, okay. uh, which, which helps everybody with warm and fuzzies. The most important thing is though, that I don't want everybody to be chained to their, their computer. I, you got to get up and, and move around. And uh, that sometimes at home, you'll just get planted in your chair and you won't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, your back's killing you. Mm. Um, but you got to be responsive to others when you're working uh, from home. That's that's the crucial piece. You got to be responsive and productive. But you also, um, and I'm horrible at this because I cannot release myself from work. And I'm even finding in this crisis because it's more of a wait to see what happens next crisis. It's not about me going and doing these five things so that I can. Um, I mean, there's nothing I can do to help the India supply chain when they're not at work right now. And that is my biggest uh, critical path at the moment. So when there's nothing, where, no dials or levers that I can uh, turn, then um, I get very stressed. And I am living with um, a constant level of stress right now that I know is unhealthy for mm -hmm. me. And that's something that I worry about for everybody. I'm... I find that I'm a little more agitated. I, I, my, my husband who is hilarious, I don't find him as funny as he used to be, <laughs> but I love him dearly. Yes. But, um, but I do find that I'm, I'm agitated. I have this core level of, of 
discomfort and even I am struggling with that. I don't even want to paint. And, and that's your outlet. And usually that exactly usually that's something that I would come on on the weekends and and eight hours would disappear in in me with the paintbrush and I just don't want to even pick up anything I'm I'm glued to the news mm -hmm. and uh, I'm trying to wean myself off of that we are enjoying some um, great binge watching there are some quality programs if you can find them yeah out there so i watch facebook closely to see who's recommending what and um that's probably the thing that that we use the most is uh finding a way to escape mm -hmm. and now the yellow pollen is about gone i mean i think it's about it's peak. all in my eyes <laughs> and and we have a boat and we're on the water and so we i know they make closed down boat ramps on this social distancing stuff but if you don't have to drive to the lake i'm told you're legal to go out on the lake so it's nice uh, we we may take a few evening boat cruises and i think that will be um that will be comforting but yeah but i i have to tell you if i were to grade myself on that whole how to take care of yourself in a in a hunker down mode i would be probably a c minus mm. yeah That'd be the only thing you get a C minus on, Terry. Oh, <laughs> I'll Thank tell you, you that what. makes me feel a little better. You're welcome. <laughs> I've experienced not to your degree because you have far more weight on your shoulders than I, but I've experienced a little bit of that anxiety myself, like the restlessness, just because our schedules are all wonky. I find myself working at like nine thirty to like eleven because I have this weird burst of energy because I can't go work out at a gym. I know what you mean. So, I know, and I watch you on Facebook, and you are crazy about going to the gym so i'm people like you i think that it's it's got to be really difficult and and i don't care what they say sitting at home with a chair and, and doing exercises against the wall or whatever it's not the same i don't think it's the same my motivation isn't quite there and i think i'm not the only one experiencing that a lot of people are and one thing i never really thought of until i heard about it is people that are suffer suffering with this whole isolation um, i'm fortunate i do live by myself with with my canine friend however i don't experience that isolation um I don't experience that mental anguish, shall I say, but there are a lot of people out there, whether they be elderly, whether they be former servicemen or people that are just, um, you know, need others by nature. Um, so people have really been suffering in different ways out there, ways that we wouldn't have been able to project um, beforehand until we've been put in this situation. Um, I do want to just backtrack really quickly because you are so uh, revered in our community and maybe people will take it seriously coming from your mouth. But um, Chairman Charlotte Nash, who's a dear friend of yours and um, was a guest on Powerhouse Women not too long ago, she, along with um, Governor Kemp, issued the stay-at-home order, I think last Friday, for the safety of our wonderful county and everybody in it. Um, I just want to give you a moment to emphasize the importance of doing that so that our community can remain whole and that we can all come out of this um, in the best shape possible. Yes, uh, I, I applaud the leadership at the county level and, and at the state level. And I know that Governor Kemp was really, really concerned about um, having to make a statewide order because at, at the time um, he had 50 counties with, with zero cases. And so he didn't want to overreact and, and make a, a broad move. But um, I think that what the counties and cities in Gwinnett did was the right move. 
I had, I think, as I said, I had already sent everybody home um, as of the middle of March. And because we're able to work at home, um, I, I, I thought that it was the best thing to do. I also think that we're going to be hearing more about if you have to be out, that you should be wearing a mask. You know, they do that in China. They did it in Korea. I think that is the right thing to do. I think that we've had to focus on getting masks to healthcare providers. Yes. And so we haven't been able to really talk about that, but you're probably seeing my CFO and one of my accounting team are sewing masks for our entire team and their families here and at our other locations in the US. So if you can get masks, um, you, I think you should be using them. This um, sheltering in place is is critical. It's painful, um, but part of our humanity is that we want to try to save lives. And you know, some would say that, hey, just let it run its course and and do whatever it's going to do. Well, that's not hu what humanity is all about. So as painful as this is, this is the right move to make. And I do hope that when we come through this, that our um, federal, state, and, and somewhat local governments are better prepared with bigger stockpiles, better surge capacity in manufacturing of healthcare, um, certainly protective gear or, or, or medicines. Uh, I think we need to be in, in a position to act more quickly. And at the first sign of a, of a, a virus that comes out anywhere in the world, we should be all over it. And I would have liked to have seen that um, if I were to m Monday morning quarterback or whatever that is, <laughs> the football guys say. I agree. And I think that's something that is coming to light. It, it doesn't just impact one over in the far corner of outer space. It's going to impact us on a global level. Yes. So it's important for us to think of others in addition to ourselves. Thank you for that, Terry. I hope everybody listening takes that to heart. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience before we wrap things up today? Yeah, I think that um, the one thing that is I, I'm not great at, but that everybody needs to do in times like this is make sure you're communicating with your teams, whatever way, if, if it's an email every other day, if it's a if it's a conference call, if it's a Zoom video, if it's recording one like I did and sending them a link so they can watch it on their phone at their leisure and maybe show it to their family so their family knows what's going on. Um, I think staying in touch with with your team is important and staying in touch with your um, your your lenders and your suppliers and your customers. And um, other than that, just try to keep your chin up. Mm -hmm. Know that there's going to be days when you are really not in a great mood and, you know, let that let that work its way through and and um, and allow yourself to grieve about the changing world right now but then pick yourself back up and and get back on that horse and and keep on rolling because yeah. we it sounds it sounds so silly but um we've only got one life and if you look at it from the point of view of you're on the right side of the dirt and every day that you get up and have a challenge to fight at least you are doing something and it's and it's you're not suffering from the alternatives so so I, and I've had to use that uh, on myself several times thinking, man, I may have be having a tough day, but at least I'm here. At least so I'm here. Yes. I think that would be where I'd leave my, 
uh, parting message. All right. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that we got to spend some time face to face today. And for those of you listening out there, we were um, able to come to you live. I'm from the studio here in Gwinnett and Terry is joining us virtually. So we are practicing all of what we preached with the safe social distancing. I would like to thank um, our our partners for this series, of course, Terry and CAB. In addition, the series is brought to you in part by McCarthy Building Companies and Cat Rangers. McCarthy Building Companies, let's just say something really quickly about them. Um, they're a community-based general contractor specializing in healthcare, education, aviation, commercial construction projects, and they're committed to helping their clients achieve short and long-term strategic goals. Their partnership for women believes that diverse perspectives drive better outcomes, and they're thrilled to support to support the Celebrating Powerhouse Women series. I do want to just close with a thanks, a great thanks from Terry, CAB, from myself, Mike, and Gwinnett Business Radio X, and, and all of our counterparts. We do want to thank everybody who is now considered a frontline worker, um, and that would be anybody from healthcare, logistics, infrastructure, public servants, grocery, gas, pharmacy, everybody that's out there currently presently helping our community stay afloat. We want to offer um, our extension of gratitude and thank you for being there for us. And um, for those of you... Absolutely. Have, thank you for mentioning of that, course. Amanda. Yes. We really appreciate and it. And even like you and I were talking earlier, thank you for the Instacart people yeah, that deliver yeah, for our groceries. Instacart and Amazon thank Fresh. You. Wow. And, yes. And God bless them all because we know that while others have experienced a surge in the opposite direction, they are just flying by the seat of their pants. So yep. we do want to say thank you very much for all that you're doing. And we look forward to placing our business with you in the future when we're able to come to your establishments. Um, for those of you listening out there, you can find our great podcast of Celebrating Powerhouse Women on all the major uh, platforms for podcasts. I like listening through iTunes or iHeartRadio. If you'd like to listen through businessradiox.com, that's available to you 24-7. Please stay connected with us on social media at Gwinnett Radio X. And until next time, I'm Amanda Pierch, and this has been Celebrating Powerhouse Women.